I messed up and was supposed to help her up, and so (laughs) I will help her down. Thank you, Stephanie. And uh, let me apologize to Courtney Mock. I don't know where she's at now. But I called her daughter Abigail, and I was there when Annabelle was actually born. And uh, I'm just, like, people are good at Jennifer probably should do that whole thing. I'm just not that good at that. So, Courtney, forgive me. Um, Well, we're in our third series of uh, talking about how we handle toxic people. And you might be sitting there thinking today, well, how do you know anything about toxic coworkers? And uh, you might question my credibility a little bit because you're like, hey, church boy, I work in the real world, you know. And uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about my work history so that uh, maybe I have a little bit of a resume. Uh, I worked in high school at a toy store uh, in the mall. And one year after I started, it closed. Uh, in the summer of my high school, I uh, painted houses and offices uh, for different people that were uh, connected to the church where my dad pastored. And all those people are dead now. After I graduated high school, I started working at the American Playground Factory in Anderson, Indiana, and uh, actually uh, worked in the crating department. I'll tell a story later on. I had no clue what I was doing. And, uh, you know, I'm not that massive of a person, and so I wasn't even real good at, like, picking up different playground equipment and taking it out. I'm not sure why they really even hired me, but I was pretty good at sanding boards that were used for park benches. So if you're ever sitting on a park bench and you get a splinter, I might be the cause of that. And uh, in 1993 then, uh, I kind of started uh, my career path, you might say, and I pastored two small uh, churches and I've been a pastor for the past 19 years. Now again, you might question my credibility uh, in the secular world. You might be thinking, you know, what do you know about toxic co-workers? I mean, you do this little, you know, church thing and uh, you're in an office with those people. And uh, many of you probably think that working in a church office is uh, like heaven. It's not. Uh, In your mind, uh, you might imagine that we get together and we hold hands and we get around the water cooler and we sing Kumbaya uh, at the beginning of uh, every morning. And that we speak in uh, King James Version. How art thou this morning? And uh, how art thou? Um, or when we have a problem with the copier, that our first thought is to go and we lay hands on it. And we pray, oh God, send your mercy uh, to this copier. Um, it just doesn't happen that way. Uh, Well, working in a church office would be wonderful if it weren't for people. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, there have been some wonderful people that have, you know, worked at the JAR office. They just left two years ago. Uh, Just joking, okay? Some of you lighten up a little bit, okay? Okay. 
But the reality is, I work with imperfect people. And you know why? Because that's who I am. I'm an imperfect person. And because of that, there are many times when I have left the office and other people, uh, Mikey, Derek, uh, Jennifer, have left the office and they're frustrated or they're angry or I'm disappointed or I'm misunderstood or I feel overlooked or I feel underappreciated. And those are the same terms that as I talk to people this week who work in the secular world, uh, say that's what they feel. That describes their work environment. It describes their uh, factory floor. It describes the department store that they work in. You know, I may not know much about your office situation. I may know, not know much about your factory floor. But I know people. I know their motives. I know selfishness. I know sin. And I know that the work environment... When you're stressed to the max, it can take people to do great, positive things. They feel stressed and they do wonderful things. It brings out the best in people. But I also know that sometimes the work environment can bring out the very, very worst in people as well. I know toxic people. Even if you're not in the workplace right now, and let's say that you're a stay-at-home mom, which is a huge working thing, but you're not in the secular world, or you're a student and you're studying, or you're someone who's retired, or maybe you're unemployed right now, I just want you to know that toxic people don't just stay in the workplace, but they go into neighborhoods. They teach Little League, uh, or they coach Little League. They drive cars. They shop in stores. They uh, sit at PTA movies, uh, uh, PTA meetings. Jennifer and I went to a movie and there was a toxic person behind us that was chewing their popcorn going, the whole time. I had some unchristian things to think of that person, you know. And I would even dare to say, folks, that there are maybe some toxic people in this church. So all that to say... I may not have a lot of experience with the secular workplace, but I have tons of experience when it comes to both people in and outside of the marketplace who are toxic. Also, I know God's words. And I know that God's words are going to be very helpful as we learn how to deal with toxic people in the workplace. Now, I want to start off by uh, saying this. Uh, you're going to raise your hand here in just a second. So, uh, I want to start off by asking you this question. When I just think, when I just say the word toxic coworker, how many of you have a person's, look at this, some people, <laughs> I don't even have to tell them, go ahead, that's good. Uh, raise your hand if you Think of that. Okay, go ahead. Leave it raised. Keep it up. Keep it up. Okay. Okay, leave your hand continually raised if you brought that toxic person to church today. Okay? Oh, look at this. Liars. Yeah, we know. Some of you were kind of slow bringing it down. You know. Now, uh, here's another one. How many of you uh, own your own business or you're self-employed? Uh, raise your hand. Okay, those are the toxic people then. We know who that is, okay? 
Now, let me be very, very clear here, folks. There's a big difference between a toxic person and somebody at work who simply rubs you the wrong way. I mean, you may not like someone simply because your personalities clash or because they make more money than you do or they have a nicer office than you do or they dated your spouse before you got married. Uh, you don't know why the boss likes them you know, so much or whatever it is. But that doesn't necessarily make them toxic. You may not like them simply because they are more successful than you are. And in a way, if that's the way you feel, maybe you're the toxic person that's in that relationship. I just want you to understand what toxic is and what toxic is not. I mean, how many of us, uh, you know, I, I think it's important for us to realize we all have bad days, right? Is that fair to say? We all have bad days. Now, how many of you have ever had a bad day at work? Raise your hand, okay? Look at that. <laughs> People raise their hand. Sure. Occasionally, folks, all of us are going to have a bad day. You're going to yell. You're going to say something that you wish you could take back. You're going to get into arguments. You're going to manipulate. You're going to leverage for position. You're going to do something dumb. But that doesn't necessarily make you a toxic person. A toxic person is someone who does that when? When do toxic people do that? All the time, exactly. All the time. That is their you know, personality, that is who they are, that's the way uh, they act all the time. A toxic person is the type of person that when you get mad at them, you try to describe this person, but you can't adequately describe them, so you say something like this, he or she is just a blank. Now, I didn't tell you what word to put in there, so if you're thinking of a dirty word right now, okay, I didn't tell you to do that. That's where your mind is. But it probably isn't a nice word, whoever the toxic person is. It's probably a very specific word, though, isn't it? That he or she, so-and-so, is a blank. That person is a toxic person. And every office, every factory... Every single work environment that you can imagine has toxic people in it. So, this is what happens. The definition of a toxic person. A toxic person is someone who makes me feel worse about myself with every interaction. A toxic person is someone who makes me feel worse about myself with every interaction. You can fill that in your first fill-in there. So when you're in a meeting with this person, or you're around the water cooler with this person, when you walk into the office, when you're leaving the office, when you're at lunch, you walk by that person and you just kind of feel like, I need a shower, because they're so de-energizing, and they are attacking and they're disrespectful, and they're humiliating, uh, or they humiliate you. The person comes up to you, and they have an ability to just like suck the joy right out of your life. 
A toxic person makes you feel worse about yourself with every single interaction. You see, the toxic person, folks, isn't the stereotypical male who gets angry all the time and throws stuff and who has anger management issues. It's not the person who has a great big ego like Donald Trump, or at least hair as big as Donald Trump. A toxic person, folks, can be quiet. They can be passive-aggressive. They can kill you with their silence. They can manipulate your emotions. They can stab you in the back and do so when you're not paying attention. A lot of times, what I like to call some toxic people silent but deadly. They can be silent but deadly. Now, at this point, some of you, again, are not quite convinced, and you're thinking, okay, preacher boy, uh, thanks a lot for telling us about this. It's easy for you to say, but I work in the real world, okay? I don't have that little nice office where the four of you sing Kumbaya together. I live in the real world, and in my workplace, it can be toxic a lot. And, uh, you know, I can't just jump and leave my job every single time uh, we're dealing with a toxic person because every work environment has toxic people in it. What I do puts food on the table, and, uh, you know, I just can't walk away. Now, it is true, folks, that every single work environment has toxic people connected to it. But what I want you to understand today is that we don't have to be impacted or influenced by their toxicity. And some of you are like, well, I'm not. I'm big. I'm bad. I don't let anybody push me around. I'm just tough. Well, you're a liar if you're that way. Because toxic people hurt us all the time. And no matter how big and bad and tough you think you are, their words, their actions, their uh, making you less than a human makes you feel discouraged many times. Toxic people affect our lives. They get their toxic uh, feelings or they get their toxic uh, words into our lives. They're kind of like poison ivy. You know... Toxic people just make you scratch and itch all the time. You get around them. You try to avoid them, but when you're around them, you just feel, you know, so uncomfortable. They make you more negative. And even when you leave the job, sometimes you're still thinking of that person because that toxin that they gave is now in you. And if you're not careful, folks, this is what happens. That toxic person ticks you off and gets that toxin in you, and then you take it home and you put it on all of your family. And it all came to the point that you allowed one person who's toxic to impact and to influence your life. The bottom line is this. Toxic co-workers make us worse people if we get sucked into them. So the question becomes, how do we limit their influence on our lives? How do we uh, limit their influence? Well, there's a book in the Bible that uh, is a very important book. And it's a book of wisdom that helps us to know how to deal with toxic people. And the book is called Proverbs. It's in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And there are 31 chapters to it. 
So uh, if you don't have a reading plan, you're like, I'm not sure about this whole Bible thing, you can go to uh, the back table today, pick up a Bible, go to Proverbs, and each day uh, that there is a proverb, there is a day of the month. So tomorrow is May 21st. If you've never read the Bible before, go to Proverbs, just go to chapter 21 and read it. And then the next day, 22, and when you get to 31, it'll start all over again. And so when June starts, then you start with number one. But you could go through all of Proverbs just within a month. Now, Proverbs has some great words on how to relate with other people, how to develop integrity in your life. It talks about things like gossip and laziness and how you honor your employer, how you uh, become a faithful uh, friend. And basically, it talks about how to deal with fools so you don't become one. Now, folks, I'm convinced that uh, you're not going to keep toxic people from entering your workplace because they're going to be there. But you can prevent how they influence and how they impact your life. In fact, kind of the key to handling a toxic coworker is this. Wisdom at work. Wisdom at work. Kind of a play on words there, but you need wisdom at work. It's at work, but it's at work in you too. Now let me just say this. Wisdom is very different from intelligence. There are some brilliant, intelligent people who don't have very much wisdom. Several years ago, I was on a uh, competitive basketball league in Kokomo, Indiana. And uh, one of the guys that was on our team uh, was a uh, urologist. And he was in his 40s, late 50s, and uh, he uh, was a very wealthy person. I mean, he's not just wealthy, he's like, you know, just really, really wealthy. This guy was loaded. He had all kinds of money. In fact, we practiced at his house because he built a gym with breakaway rims on both ends, a wood floor, had uh, rugged carpet all around, a jacuzzi and game room upstairs, and, uh, you know, many times when I went there, I was like, Jen, don't expect me home for a while, you know? I mean, this guy was just loaded. In fact, he had seats to IU games. I see him every once in a while now, right behind the bench when Bobby Knight had uh, his big heyday. And he was this big uh, IU kind of sponsor. He was one of the smartest guys, too, I ever knew. He didn't just know medicine. He knew everything. He could speak and talk just about anything that you could imagine. But even though he knew medicine, and even though he had money, and even though he knew many other things, he was not a very wise man. He had been married four times, and he was shacking up with a girl who was in her 20s, younger than me. He had three kids, but uh, they didn't have anything to do with him. And one day, I remember, a couple of the kids uh, came to his house, and all they were doing was asking for stuff. They didn't want anything to do with him, and then they walked away. And Dale was a very, very wealthy man, but he was not a very wise man when it came to his relational world. In that world, folks, his wealth and his intelligence didn't help him at all. He was lost 
and lonely. Folks, there are brilliant people in the world who have doctorate degrees and all kinds of stuff, but they don't have wisdom at all. And why? Because God gives wisdom. Wisdom is an unusual insight into life and people. When you display wisdom, it's like, whoa, where did that come from? I was having lunch this week with a friend of mine, and uh, several weeks ago he called me late at night, and uh, I picked up the phone and I started talking to him, and he was really uh, struggling with having to make some decisions about confronting his brother. His brother had done all kinds of stuff, was messing things uh, up in his life, and he had to confront him. And the more that I talked to him, I started realizing that part of his frustration wasn't just the issues with his brother, but it was issues with his parents, that they weren't confronting him either. And I had remembered that um, he had a brother who died uh, several years ago. And as he's talking more and more about his frustration, I said, well, I don't think your parents are ever going to confront him because they've already lost one son and they don't want to lose another one. And so regardless of how bad, how much he messes up, they will never confront him. So you're going to have to be the one that does that. And this week, we're sitting together and he's like, that wisdom that you gave me uh, about the fact that my parents weren't going to be the ones and that I would have to do that was so important. Now, I want you to know this, folks. I'm not smart enough to give that kind of wisdom. I am not even close enough. My wife might be, but I'm not. And there's no way I could give that. That was God's wisdom that was given to him, and uh, he talked about how helpful it was as he confronted his brother and began reconciliation with that. Folks, wisdom is unusual, and it's uncommon, but it's not unaccessible. Wisdom is accessible to every single person in this place. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a holy roller. You don't have to know every book of the Bible and pray five times a day. God's wisdom can come to you. You don't have to walk around and think, I could never get this wisdom. I could never have it. No, it's accessible, folks. It's unusual. It's uncommon. But it's accessible to you. The Bible says this. It'll come up on the board. Let's read it together. The Lord... That means all of us, by the way. Uh, Let's read this together. The Lord gives wisdom. Okay. How do you get wisdom? Where does it come from? The Lord comes from God. And here's uh, the key to wisdom. That wisdom is unusual insight into people and into life. And it's very, very accessible to all of us. Here's kind of a synopsis of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9 says this, Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. So why is wisdom important? This is kind of the next fill-in for you. Why is wisdom important? Because the lack of wisdom leads to nowhere. In fact, the Bible says a person without wisdom is a fool. The way that you become foolish is you don't 
go to God and ask Him for wisdom. So the lack of wisdom leads to nowhere, but gaining wisdom leads everywhere. The lack of wisdom leads to nowhere, but the gaining of wisdom leads to everywhere. Now let's talk a little bit about this gaining of wisdom for the rest of our time together. How do we put that kind of wisdom into work? I mean, how do we become wise when we're around our co-workers and in our workplace? Well, the first thing is this. Wisdom at work requires me to recognize the bigger issues at work. Wisdom at work requires me to recognize the bigger issues at work. So you've got to recognize them. Now when I refer to at work, I'm not just talking about your work office or your factory floor. I'm talking about all the work that you do in your life. So when you go home, uh, your neighbors that you encounter, uh, your family, your friends, your neighborhood, the entire community, the world, Now, if you were here last week, uh, you'll remember, and I'd encourage you to pick up the CDs if you uh, can't. They're free, but you can uh, pick them up. I talked last week about toxic family members. And you've got to realize, folks, that you cannot control and you cannot change uh, people. Those are big issues with toxic family members. And in the same way, when you step into the workplace, folks, you've got to realize that... uh, There are two things, three things actually, that you need to remember. First of all is this. I can't control people. People that are in your workplace, folks, you can't control. And if you think you can control them, you're going to be sorely disappointed. The second thing is, I can't change people. You can't control people. You can't change people. The only person that you can change is the person that's sitting in your chair. You. And I want to give a third one this week because I think it will help us with uh, co-workers, and it's this. Imperfect people sin and cause damage. Imperfect people, that's all of us, sin and they cause damage. And I think if you're really going to get your head around this, this is the concept that you have to get. Now I realize that not all of us who are here today uh, are Christians. Some of us are checking this whole God thing out. We're trying to figure out what church is and what that means. We're glad you're here. But you might just be checking it out. And uh, you're like, I'm investigating Jesus. I'm investigating the church. But when it comes to this thing called sin, you might be like, you know what? I don't know what that means. So let me tell you what sin means. This is it. The definition of sin is it's disobedience to God's ways. That you're disobeying God's ways. When I sin, I disobey God's ways and God's standards for how to live. So when people disobey God, they're going to hurt other people because sin causes damage. When I sin, I damage myself. And I damage the other people that are around me. You see, sin has caused incredibly intelligent people to do amazingly stupid things. Let me say that again. Sin has caused incredibly intelligent people to do some amazingly stupid things. 
Because of this reality, then, uh, I'm never surprised, folks, when people are hurtful. I'm not surprised when people are selfish. I'm not surprised when they're mean-spirited or political. I'm not surprised when they're trying to use leverage to get possession. That doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Because no behavior who lives like that should realize that it's not going to come out. That is just the depravity of sin. That's what sin does. Several years ago, uh, I had uh, our neighbors, their daughter was getting ready for driver's ed. And they just couldn't deal with taking her out in the car. They tried, couldn't do it. And so the dad and the stepmom actually came down, because we didn't have kids at that time. They're like, would you go and teach her how to drive? And we're standing there, I'm like, you mean Jennifer, right? And they're like, no, 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 would you? And I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I can do that. And so Amber and I started driving together. Now, I wish I had that brake pedal, you know, on the other side, because there were some close calls in my car, by the way, too, you know. They didn't offer up their car. And uh, what happened was I taught her how to drive, and she taught me patience, uh, a lot of patience. Now, I wanted to get one theory across to her as I was teaching her how to drive. And I kind of told her, I said, every time you get behind the wheel, every time that you're driving and you look out and you see these other drivers, just imagine in your head that they are terrible drivers. Worst kind of drivers you can imagine. If you view everybody else, if you view everybody else as a terrible driver, you're going to do okay. Because then, when people cut you off, when people stop in front of you, when they run red lights, when they almost swerve and hit you, you know, kind of like my wife Jennifer does, Amber, sometimes, uh, you're not going to be surprised. It changes your perspective on how to respond. So when someone cuts you off and they flip you off, don't get mad. Just sit there and think, They're saying I'm the number one person in their life right now, you know? I'm number one. I'm number one. Now take that same principle, folks, and let's take it into the workplace. When someone treats you less than human, don't get mad. You should feel sad. You should feel sad for that person because sin has crept into their life And now they're giving it to you. And toxic people are toxic because they've been hurt so bad. I've said it so often. Hurt people hurt people. They've been hurt, and now they want you to be hurt. So the only thing they know how to do is to spill out this hurt, this disobedience, this sin, to others. And it's not only hurting them, but it's hurting you. Because they're trapped in their sin, but they're being trapped and you're getting sucked into it. In fact, this is what the Bible says. Evil people are trapped by sin. Now, I realize that not every single person here is a Christian. Um, But those of you who are followers of Christ, I want to tell you one of the things that you mess up in bigger than anything else when it comes to to your life as a Christian. And it's this. You try to have the same expectations for non-Christians as you do Christians. You expect 
people to act like you or to act like um, you know a Christian should, and they're not going to do it. As I shared earlier, one of my first jobs uh, in the work world was at the American Playground Factory. I was in the crating department, and uh, we crated up the slides and all the things that were shipped out. And the foreman of that plant was named Victor Woolley. And we called him Victo, along with some other words, but I won't share those. And Victo was a pretty nice guy to me until one day in 1993. And he lit me up with all kinds of toxicity. No matter what I did, it wasn't good enough. I mean, I couldn't even go to the restroom with him not getting on my case. He rode me like a cowboy kicking me with spurs all along. And on uh, Monday afternoon, I just didn't think it could get any worse, and it did. He changed my name. He started calling me SOB, and that was not son of John Bunch, okay? And he said, you're not cutting right. You're not drilling right. You're not hammering right. Tuesday, the same thing. Wednesday, the same thing. I'm getting stressed to the max. Finally, Thursday comes, and I tell my dad my plight and all that I'm going through, and I'm looking for some sympathy. And I said, Dad, this is the way this jerk is treating me. And he says, well, is he a Christian? And I said, well, no. And he said, well, why are you trying to think that he's going to act any different? This isn't his problem. It's your problem. Man, I went toxic on my dad right now. But why would his heart change if there wasn't something that changed Vic's heart? Folks, you take that principle into your workplace and you will not be so overwhelmed. When you walk in and there's a bitter, angry person who speaks ugly words to you, what you need to think is that their entire life is a disaster and the only place that they think that they have power where they can put me down is in the workplace. And so when they kiss up to the boss or they kick you down, they're doing that simply because they don't have Christ in their life. And toxicity is there. Now, I'm not saying that what they're doing is right. I'm just saying that their heart is filled with sin and that behavior is going to come out from that. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, instead of walking by them and looking at dis- with disgust, you need to think of how can I give compassion to that coworker? How can I show compassion? Now, when you show compassion, is that going to change them? Probably not. But you know who it's going to change? You. Here's the second thing. Maybe you need to do this before you walk into work. You ask for God's wisdom. Before you ever walk into work, you simply ask for God's wisdom. Let's read this next uh, proverb together. It'll come up on the screen. So you ask for God's wisdom. Let's read this. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. If you prize wisdom... She will exalt you, embrace her, and she will honor you. 
Prior to even stepping into work, you simply put some time to ask for God's wisdom. I don't care if it's early in the morning. I don't care if it's on the way to work. I don't care if it's, uh, you know, in your car. I don't care if it's when you're putting your makeup on, ladies, uh, while you're in the parking lot. I don't care, guys, if it's picking your nose while you're in the parking lot figuring things out. You know, men and women do things differently in parked cars. Um, I really don't care, but this is what I care about. Before you enter into the workplace, you simply ask for God's wisdom. You respond with God's wisdom to that toxic person uh, through God's power. Because the reality is, you are going to be approached by that toxic person. Whether it's at the water cooler, at lunch, wherever, they're going to approach you. And you can respond by becoming toxic and going off on them, or you can respond with God's wisdom and His love. And the choice really is up to you. The next thing that wisdom at work requires is to avoid toxic open doors. You have to avoid the toxic open doors. Toxic people, folks, know how to get underneath your skin. They know how to get to you. They know how to tick you off. They know how to press your buttons. Now, the way that you avoid that door is you simply identify that. The problem is, for many of you, you're working with people who are toxic, but you haven't kind of identified that. You know what? Yep, they're toxic. I'm just not going to get overwhelmed by it anymore. I'm not going to let them consume me. I'm not going to let them suck anything out of me. But they open these doors, and what happens is sometimes you're just foolish enough and blind enough to walk through into their door. Let me give you an example. They open the door by attacking you. Now, when they attack you, what do they want you to do? Attack back. Fight back. They open the door and they bring up some argument. What do they want you to do? They want you to argue back. And maybe the biggest one of all, they open the door of gossip, which you think, oh, that's not so bad. And it's so much of a temptation that you just walk right through the door and you get all into that. You see, one of the greatest temptations we have with gossip is that we want to be in the know. How many of you like to be in the know at work? Raise your hand. I don't think I said that loud enough. Let me say that again. Um, how many of you at work, uh, let me say a little bit louder. How many of you at work like to be in the know? Raise your hand. Okay. Most of us do. Um, I do. You know, every once in a while, uh, the other three, it's a small office, but the other three will be talking about something. And I'll be like, I wish I knew what that was, you know. Or, why didn't they invite me down out to eat? You know, they, inv- they went out to eat, but they didn't invite me. I mean, I can, you know, do that because I like to be in the know. And gossip is basically that. You want to be in the know. And yet, let me remind you what the Bible says about gossip. It says this. The mouths of fools are their ruin. Their lips get them into trouble. What dainty morsel rumors are but they sink deep into one's heart. You see, folks, don't fall into the trap of gossip because it can cause great pain not only to you but to others, and it can destroy your spirit. Now, I realize that the temptation when a toxic person opens that door, it's so easy to walk through. But remember these practical words from the Bible. Another proverb. Do not do as the wicked do or follow the path of evildoers. 
avoid their haunts. Turn away and go somewhere else, for evil people cannot sleep until they have done their evil deed for the day. They cannot rest unless they have caused someone to stumble. And then specifically in Proverbs chapter 1, it says this, My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. In other words, when they open the door, close the door. Walk away from the door. Turn your back on the door. Here's the key. That when they open the door, don't walk in. Ask for wisdom. And God will point out to you, well, this is a door you really shouldn't go into. It's a lot easier to avoid a toxic person when you ask for wisdom. Here's our last point, the last action thing that you do in the workplace. Now, I want you to know that in doing this, uh, I almost left it off. (laughs) I almost didn't put out, use words that build up. And I'll tell you why I did that. Because most of us struggle with that. But I started thinking about the jar. And I started thinking about all the growth that's happened in people's lives. I thought about the changes that happened. I thought, you know what? I think these people like challenges. I think they like to be challenged so that they grow and they do something more. And so you use words that build up. There is so much in the book of Proverbs that talks about our language. In fact, at the bottom of your outline, there's some scriptures that you can look at this week on language and gossip, other scriptures and Proverbs that I couldn't get to. But today, I'm asking you guys to do something that is very radical. It is counterculture. And what I'm asking you to do is that when a toxic person gives their toxicity to you, you respond to them with verbal kindness. Now, you might be thinking to yourself right now, you know what, you don't know my toxic coworker, Chris, you have no idea. That is insane. There is no way that I could do that. And you know what, I would say you're right. There's no way that you can do that in your power. The only way that you're going to be able to do this is with God's power. You can't do it in your own. You have to do it within yours. Now, last week, if you remember, when I talked about toxic family members or toxic people in general, I said this, that when it comes to dealing and handling toxic people, it all comes down to one word, and that's the word love. And what is one of the greatest ways that you can express love to people? Through your words, right? You express love through words. Now, when you do this to your toxic coworker, don't expect it back. You know, they rip you one and you're like, hey, I understand, you know, uh, no, no big deal. I'll take care of it. Man, nice dress today. Or, hey, uh, you look really good today. Don't expect they're going to be like, wow, they are so nice to me right now. I think I'm just going to say something nice. No, they might say something meaner. But this is what I've found. When you do it for one word and two words and three words and 20 words and 40 words and 100 words, eventually... What happens is God shows up and things change. Look at what it says in Proverbs 12. The words of the wicked are like murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. Can you imagine that? That God is actually going to give you words that could save other people's lives. You could save them from their sin just by the words that God gives to you. Now, again, we can't control others, we can't change them, but we can control our actions and how we respond. 
So, for example, when someone goes into the workplace and they're pushing your buttons and the attack door is open and you could easily walk in and go right off of them again, Proverbs 15 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. You just respond in a gentle way. Proverbs 26, when arguing with fools, don't answer their foolish arguments or you will become as foolish as they are. There's so much advice in Proverbs about our words, you just walk away. Now friends, I'm not naive enough to think that in your workplace, that if you start giving these words that build up, that everything's going to change in your toxic work environment, because it's not. But I believe with all of my heart that when God's presence is in your life, and you've got His power, and you've got His wisdom, you can choose your words in such a way that it will change the environment over a long time, and most of all, it will change you. Again, it may not happen with the first word, or the second word, or the hundredth word, but eventually, God's power in you changes lives. Well, tomorrow, you're going to get up, most of you, and you're going to go to work. And you've got a couple of options. Option number one. You can decide that you're just going to suffer from these toxic people. And you can continue to be impacted by them. You can continue to let their words get you mad and angry, and you get more upset, and you walk in to your house, and you splurt it out to everyone in your home. Or option number two. You can make some changes... And you can say there are bigger issues that this person's dealing with, and so I'm going to give them a pass. And you can ask for God's wisdom when you pull up tomorrow. And you can avoid those doors that God's going to open, or that foolish people will open and say, no, God tells me to close it. And you can choose words that build up. And that's the wise thing, folks, to do. Now, I was thinking, what's the take-home message? The sending home message. And it kind of comes down to this. Wisdom at work requires wisdom at work in me. If I'm going to have wisdom at work, folks, it's going to require that there's some wisdom at work in me. Folks, you can't control others. You can't control them. You can't change them but you can control how you respond to them. And God says that takes wisdom. Let's stand for closing prayer. And if you would like prayer for anything, our prayer team will be up here and uh, they'd be more than willing to pray uh, with you. And we're going to begin a prayer. All of you can lead today. You can say, you know what? I prayed out loud in church today. Because we're going to do that. There's going to be a scripture that comes up on the screen. And uh, we're going to uh, read this uh, for the beginning uh, of our prayer. And there it is. Okay, let's read this together at the beginning of our prayer. And let's, let's personalize it. So let's say, leave my foolish ways behind, okay? Let's go. Leave my foolish ways behind... And begin to live. Learn how to be wise. God, we want your wisdom in our life. We want to receive it from your hands. 
We know that it's accessible to all of us. We thank you that you love us enough, God, not to want us to live in misery, not to be impacted by toxic people, but to live a different way. God, I pray that each of us, as we go into our work tomorrow, that God, thank you that you'll be with us and you'll walk with us and we can receive your love as we go through our day. That the love that you have for us, God, is not based upon our work. It's not based upon how much money we have. Your love for us is not based upon the past. But your love, God, is based upon the fact that you created us and you want a relationship with us. Thank you, God, that you forgive us of our sins and set us free so that we can reach out and use words that build up others, even if they are toxic towards us. Help us to do that with your wisdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week and know that you're loved in this place.